Karen. I'm the founder of Alibi Nutrition and I'm a BANT registered nutritionist and nutritional therapist. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Alibi, what is it all about? Well, the word Alibi comes from, it's an old English word that I found in a nutrition dictionary when I was considering business names. It means to nourish. So one of the hashtags that I use is Think Alibi. And although it sounds just like a marketing ploy, it isn't. The message is to think about the foods that will nourish you to support your body to keep healthy. Okay, brilliant. And um, in terms of, of you and the organisation, what, what is it that you do? As a nutritionist, uh, well, a band registered nutritionist, should I say, I'm allowed to work with groups and to give general nutrition advice. As a nutritional therapist, I work with individuals on a one-to-one basis, looking at their more specific health goals. So they may have a health condition or recurring health problems. It's a complementary therapy, which means it works alongside conventional medicine. So if people are taking medication, I have no say in that. All I would do is look at it, have a look at the side effects and the possible interactions to make sure that I understand what effects the medication can have and also make sure I don't do anything that will interfere with that medication. I see. That's great. That sounds quite holistic. I, 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 that, that, I can really see the benefits in that. So when we talk about nutrition, um, we talk about health more generally. This is kind of a daft question, but I have to ask it. Why does it matter? It matters because it's basically what keeps us going. It's what makes us. If you think about protein, for example, it doesn't get talked about that much. Everyone talks about calories and energy. But with protein, it's all of us. It's our skin, it's our muscles, it's in our bones. So if we don't take that in, we're going to have problems with all of those things. It even affects our hormones. One example is magnesium. It's a mineral that isn't particularly high profile, but we need it for over 500 different processes that happen in the body. Wow. The biochemistry is unbelievable when you start looking at it. So if we don't eat that, people may be more prone to migraines, has a role in our digestion, so you might have problems of constipation. It may have an influence on asthma, cramps, all sorts of different things, even our energy and stress levels. So if we're not getting enough magnesium, according to how we're living, because you can have a minimum amount of a nutrient, but if you've got a high stress lifestyle, you might need a bit more to support that lifestyle. It's not just getting the minimum, it's getting what you need to support you. So, I mean, all those things I've mentioned, it isn't just about magnesium. All sorts of things can contribute to them. That is just an example, so don't go out and buy magnesium because you have those things. I was just about to start Googling it then as you were talking. (laughs) 
So in in your experience then, Karen, I mean, where whereabouts are we are we at in terms of as a society? Um, you know, kind of health, what we put in our bodies in a lot of ways is is much more in um our kind of public consciousness than maybe it was a few years ago. And yet, you know, by the same reckoning, I also, you know, kind of processed foods, fast foods, lots of things that are bad for us seem to be more prominent than they ever have been. So I guess there's kind of two sides of of, of that sort of seesaw. How, how do you kind of view things at the moment? I think as a society, we're very much marketing driven. And that's a huge part of the problem. We don't see much from the farmers promoting what they've grown. The budget presumably isn't there for them, certainly as individuals. Um, so it's all the food industry and a lot of our food policy gets influenced by the food industry as well. And then we have, for example, veganuary, plant-based diets are great. For example, I talked about magnesium. Plants are a great source of magnesium. But then you get all the vegan products that are unrecognisable as a plant. You might look at the ingredients and manage to find a few amongst the 20 ingredients, but then you can't see them, they're not recognisable. And because they're so highly processed, you lose a lot of the nutrients from them. So it doesn't work. It's, it is just marketing at the end of the day. You need to read the ingredients of what you're eating. I'm 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 nodding away as someone who is so I'm I'm not vegan but I'm vegetarian so I've seen the explosion in kind of the meat replacement products that have have come onto the market in the last well 5 years maybe even less than that the last yeah. 2 or 3 years it's it's been a real area of growth and from a convenience point of view Fantastic. Brilliant. It you is. Know, pick, pick any kind of fast food restaurant now. You can go in and there'll be a vegan, vegetarian equivalent that is a lot nicer than kind of like a, a mushed up bean burger, which were your only options 10 years ago. But the flip side of that, of course, is that it is heavily processed. A lot of them are, um, I, I think, you know, uh, lacking, uh, more lacking nutrition than the original meat products that they're designed to kind uh-huh. of substitute for. So that's a, a really interesting one. Um I know one of the other things that, that that you're particularly interested in, more specifically, is gut health. So talk to us a little bit about that, if you yep. do. We think about the gut as being part of our digestive system. That is its main role. Throughout there, we have all the different functions related to digestion and absorption of nutrients, extracting our energy, etc. But the gut also has a big role in immunity. It's now thought that 70% of our immune system is within the gut. We produce some of our nutrients in the gut thanks to the gut bacteria and also has a role in um, regulating hormones. So it's key. Um, If you go back to through history, Hippocrates, the philosopher, said that all disease begins in the gut. And now the science is starting to back him up and we're seeing more and more evidence of that as we start to learn more. So, That's really interesting. Yeah. He was uh, ahead of his time way back Very when. Very much so. What, so what does, what does good gut health look like? And I ask that from the point of view of, again, this is something that over the last 10, 15 years has come more into the, to the public eye, but mainly in the form of kind of... Um, 
daily probiotic this and 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 that and and there'll be um, I'm sure plenty of people who kind of think great well I take this thing every morning and 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 that's taking care of it is is that enough what does good good gut health look like there's so many things can influence our guts including stress that I've mentioned you probably know if you feel stressed sometimes you might feel a bit bloated you can't digest your food properly and that sort of thing, so that affects it. Some medications may affect it. So if you have problems taking medication, it's always worth speaking to your GP. If we get any viruses that can upset the way things work, and obviously bacteria exposure, we need bacteria in there, but sometimes the balance gets a bit upset. From a diet point of view, we've already mentioned the highly processed foods. They're not great. Sugar foods can upset guts, but don't just replace sugar with sweeteners because sweeteners also have their own problems. The best things we can do diet-wise is looking at our fruit and veg intake, make sure we get plenty. We can also get prebiotic foods. So this includes things like beans that feed our gut bacteria that's already there, and then the probiotics that you mentioned, such as yogurts, that help to increase the diversity of the bacteria that we have. If you think about lifestyle, the biggest one is to stop smoking. So we know smoking's linked to lung cancer and heart disease, etc., but it upsets the gut. So everything that the guts involved in also gets affected by smoking. It inhibits our absorption of nutrients, for example, or can deplete our levels of certain nutrients as we try to get rid of some of the waste products. Think about alcohol consumption. Make sure we're properly hydrated. That can affect how the food moves through the body. As a general guide, we say around about two litres fluid a day that will vary between people exercise daily it doesn't have to be a hit class every day or even every week just walking can have great effects get rest look after yourself that way and as we've already talked about making sure you just read the ingredients before you buy packaged food I'd be really interested to ask your opinion on, obviously now we have the traffic light system in terms of those key statistics on the on the front or on the side, on the back on of 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 most foods that we um that we buy. Uh, and and I um you're the expert, so I'm really interested in this. as a as a bystander, I kind of look at that and think, that's really useful for a lot of things. Spotting things that are low in sugar, spotting things that are low in salt, particularly uh-huh. um, quite quite useful. Can be quite misleading though, because something that can look quite low fat may well have replaced that fat with stuff that's not really going to do you much good. Um, so it's I, I kind of view it as being perhaps a good indicator. But you also need to take notice of those ingredients on the back. And I think if there's a lot of things that I don't recognize the name of, I'm probably not going to gonna want to buy this this product. What, yep. What's your take on that? Is is the traffic light system, is it a good system? Is it a misleading system? What, what do you think? To an extent, it depends how it's used. 
again, it can be used as a marketing tool. So I don't know if you've seen in the supermarkets many um, tubs of hummus and things like snack pack ones. Mm-hmm. When I looked at these, I am going back a while, so it may have changed. To me, that's just the right size to take to work, dip some veggies in, and you've got a snack or part of your lunch. The whole pot, it doesn't seal. If you look at that traffic light system, it gives you the information for half a pot. So that's always something to look at when you look at them. Salt, we need to be wary of because... In general, a lot of people, if they eat a lot of processed food, they will eat too much salt, but we do need it. So it's important not to go too far the other way and buy everything with no salt in it, because you do need some in the diet. It's the fats that can be the biggest issue. And this is part of my problem with the all the calorie stuff coming in on menus and things as well. It's not all created equal. So you've got things like hydrogenated fats in margarine, things like that, that aren't all that good for us. But then you've got fatty acids like omega-3s that support our health. And they'll all get grouped together in fat. So it might be high fat, but what type of fats in that food? Is it going to do us any good? Is it bad for us? If you look in the details, you can usually see saturated fats. Again, we do need some saturated fat. But obviously, if you've got a health condition, you may be advised to watch your saturated fat levels. So it's pros and cons on that one. Yeah, it's kind of the old saying of of, of everything in moderation kind of feels sort of relevant um, there. And also the fact that it is a bit of a minefield and... Actually, probably talking to someone like you is the is mm. the best way to kind of navigate that, and someone that really knows what's what's good and can help put together, you know, a better idea as to to what we should, you know, individually in our own circumstances should be um, should be consuming. Yeah, you know, I was speaking to somebody the other day about a couple of articles we were looking at, and you read one thing, and all these foods are really good for it, and then you read another article that says maybe they're not. And it just, it's a, it is a minefield and you have to look at the person and what the issues are for that person in particular to work it out. I did say it's a bit like trying to learn the English language. You, right. you think you've started to understand the rules and then you get a word that just doesn't fit any of them. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And of course, the fact that we're just all different, aren't we? And, and we you know, one one size does not fit all in in anything really in in life. So yeah, that's um, that's really interesting. Um, so what um, what, what's your kind of approach to nutritional therapy? I'm very much a food first time nutritionist, due to various historical high profile nutrition people. I think sometimes we've got a reputation of telling everyone to cut everything they like out and take a bag full of supplements every day. And it isn't like that at all. If I can, it's about increasing the foods that support you. I'm not saying I won't suggest supplements to anybody. That does happen. Sometimes they need them. But it's not because we've removed food. 
I'll always look for alternative foods. Sometimes it may be increasing a particular food may automatically mean you reduce another food anyway. So if you're snacking uh, more dimension at hummus and carrots, then you're not eating biscuits. And that's not, you've stopped eating biscuits. You can't, you know, you can't eat them. It's just you're eating something else instead. So it, it works that way. The overall approach that I use, Luke's it, uses a functional medicine approach. I'm not a certified functional medicine practitioner as such, but we do use that approach. So if somebody comes, for example, with recurring colds and they're fed up of them, the obvious thing is body for the throat, everyday things. As a nutritional therapist, start to think about why are you getting these colds all the time? What's happening with your immune system? What's happening with the gut? What's happening with your nutrition? Are you getting the nutrients you need to support your immune system? So it's looking at the un- underlying things that might be contributing towards the problems and not just the problems themselves. So um, I'm, I'm interested in kind of asking a bit more about your own background and uh, you know the background of the, the, the business as well. I started with my interest in nutrition probably as a teenager. I became vegetarian um, early teens and it was made quite clear to me that I needed to think about it and make sure that I ate properly. So it was looking up books, finding resources, etc., to try and understand what I needed to eat. As time went on, that got into reading health magazines and that sort of thing. But the work I got into had absolutely nothing to do with nutrition or health. Right. I wanted to go into environmental work. And as very often happens, you follow the work. So I ended up in management systems, working with ISO standards, quality and different things. And then I, I suppose, found myself at a crossroads career-wise and decided, did I want to carry on with something that I enjoyed doing but wasn't really interested in? Or did I want to follow my interests? So that's what I did. I followed my interests and studied a master's in nutritional science and practice. And here I am. Brilliant. And 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 what about looking to the future then? What are your hopes for the for the future for 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 Alabulum and, and what would you like to see it go on and, and do? Part of the nature of um, nutrition work, in a sense, is you don't want clients to come back. Yeah. In a way, you want them to take the recommendations you give them, take the advice, and succeed with it. Obviously. People need, might want extra support, things in their life change, so that may cause them to return. But it's not like I'm giving somebody a diet plan for six months and after the diet plan, everything stops, they go back to normal and then they have to come back for another plan again. But I think all nutritionists really, it's wanting people to understand the importance of nutrition, recognise 
the importance, um, understand how it affects them and where they can, or if they need that extra support, come and find us. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. And and I hope that, you know, through through this podcast, maybe we've been able to reach a, a few new people and, and help them perhaps, you know, better understand kind of what that landscape looks like in terms of um, nutrition and um and their health and things like um and things like that. So well, thank you very much for your time today. It's been really interesting to um to chat. As I say, I hope that um there there are people that have found this useful and interesting as well. Thank you for your time and all the very best for the future. Brilliant, thank you. Thanks, James.